Good morning. I hope you are well rested. And I also hope you feel settled a little bit by now, being here and you know, being settled with the schedule or the schedule that fits you. And, um, <clears throat> in today's morning practice, I thought it would be inspirational to hear the Buddha's last words. Um, there's a, a discourse that describes in a lot of detail the last days of the Buddha. And according to that specific discourse, <clears throat> the Buddha suffered from food poisoning. And uh, the time when he knew the body was going to go, he asked the people who were attending him, is everything I taught clear? Is there anything that you want to ask? And people attending him said, no, venerable sir. And then supposedly these were his last words. All conditioned phenomena, or the way I like to see it is, all formed things are impermanent. They are of the nature to arise and pass away. And then he said, keep practicing diligently. Why not with the fist like this, but that's how I feel it. <laughs> and I find that ins- inspiring. And, and also, I thought about that it's been said that uh, he has offered 84,000 teachings. 84,000. And so, someone who offered this many teachings on one's deathbed one probably really points to the kernel of it all, the heart of it. And so when you look at how the Buddha was instructing, there's kind of two things that you can notice. He either suggested to recognize accurately the content of the experience, When you're really feeling the bodily sensations, there's a body. And again, he also said that you could do this externally. So if you see another body of another being, there's a body. You can know the content of mind state. There's restlessness. There's calm. This is the knowing on the level of content. But with every instruction in terms of knowing the content, the Buddha also suggested it to notice a process of experience. And that process is change. It's a little shift in awareness. When you're basically all of a sudden noticing, oh, it's like this right now. And then attuning to the changing nature of that experience. Throughout the discourses, he keeps inviting us to also know change. And this is all within that framework of freedom. Because if you fully accept and appreciate this universal law, Clinging starts to make less sense. Everything is in constant flux. So what we're training in a way is also to become in more in harmony with this change of law, this, this law of change.
Devon Knockaway and I, we were in a training. I just realized it was 11 years ago that it started. And at that time, uh, the teachers gave us homework, reading a PhD dissertation from a, uh, a monk and a scholar, Bhikkhu Analio. Pretty thick book on the Buddha's teachings on mindfulness. And I remember thinking, whoa, that's a pretty thick book. <laughs> and I remember from grad school <laughs> that the, the heart often of the whole thing is in the conclusion. <laughs> Skip there. <laughs> and then I saw something that I thought was really helpful. And it's become like a mantra that I want to share with you in the guided meditation for me. And there Bhikkhu Analyo says, of all the instructions on mindfulness, I'm going to try to kind of boil them down to four words. Keep calmly knowing change. That's what really is at the heart of what the Buddha is suggesting. Keep calmly knowing change. And so in a few moments, I'd love to invite you into not only being aware of the content of your experience, but sometimes shift to see if you can feel and know the changing nature of that experience. But before doing so, I want to kind of unpack these four words a little bit. The keep, it kind of refers to that last statement of the Buddha, keep practicing diligently. It's like that kind but dedicated Bless you, effort. And that means every time you start over again, you are kind of training that muscle, the keep. The keep also refers to checking the quality of mindfulness. And this is an important point. This is not an exercise in becoming really good at just being focused on the breath, sounds, or kindness. It's a cultivation of awareness. And we've been in this retreat inviting you a lot to come home and feel bodily sensations or sounds, the breath. But it's within this context, and I just want to share how the Buddha teaches it. He says this, Mindfulness, there's a body, is established in one to the extent necessary for clear knowing and continuous mindfulness. So in your practice, it can be helpful from time to time to check Is mindfulness interrupted a lot? Or does it feel pretty ongoing? Because if it starts to feel pretty ongoing, it allows for a clear seeing. And then you can kind of perhaps settle back into just becoming aware of the predominant experience that comes into this field of awareness and leaves again. So you can then also let go of coming back to an anchor because you know mindfulness is established to the extent necessary for clear knowing, to see what's happening. That's the keep. The calmly, that second word, that really refers to to see if you can meet your experience that's being known with curiosity, kindness, and care. So here is already the metta in the mindfulness practice. From time to time, check how is the mind relating. Keep calmly. The knowing 
is awareness itself. Its nature is to know. We've been using the word pause as kind of an instruction to remember mindfulness or awareness. Another instruction I really like is asking myself, is there awareness? If you would do that right now, just check. Asking yourself internally, is there awareness? find a very helpful tool just asking the question already allows for this presence to be there and then no need to do anything else with it no need to make it better or it's actually impossible we're just mindful or we're not keep calmly knowing And then that last word, change. The knowing can know the content. There's a body. There's the breath. There's seeing. There's thinking. The meditation I'm suggesting now is to see if you can also feel or know the changing nature of sensations in the most broadest sense, including also thoughts as sensations. Keep calmly knowing change. So that's the invitation. And if you're noticing that your tuning to change isn't helpful, then know that you can always return to practices of really knowing the body, connecting with kindness. Again, this is another suggestion. I just want to invite you to check if the position you're in is alert, relaxed. We'll practice for about 30 minutes and then there'll be some time for reflections and questions. Is there awareness? I'd like to ask you to see if there's any tension in the body that could be softened, like the belly. The mask of the face. Loosening like the jaw, the grip of the hands, the grip of the lips. As best as you can. Take your time. You are on retreat.
like to invite you to open to sounds. Sounds close by, far away. Know your hearing. There is hearing. And into a playful way with curiosity, can you attune and know the flow of sounds? knowing the changing nature. Impossible to hold on to a sound. Is there any clinging to the sounds? Any resistance? Keep calmly, knowing change. We can also know body sensations of touch, tingling, vibrating, 
knowing there's a body. Just like sounds appear and disappear, likewise these bodily sensations How is the change happening quickly, slowly? Keep calmly, knowing change. The body also moves on the rhythm of the breath. It breathes. We can know it's breathing. What's it like to know the changing nature, this flow of the breath? Keep calmly, knowing change. What's the quality of mindfulness right now? 
Does it feel interrupted? That can be known by sleepiness or restlessness. Does it feel continuous, ongoing? There is a mind. Are there many or few thoughts, images? Is there a particular mind state present? Knowing the content. These mental phenomena are also of the nature to appear and disappear. How long does a thought last? So this is the invitation to see if it's helpful from time to time to attune to change. Knowing you can return home to an anchor and also practice choiceless open awareness, mindful of what's predominant. to see if it's helpful, to see its changing nature. Keep calmly, knowing change.
created things are impermanent. They are of the nature to appear and disappear. Keep practicing diligently. Are there any questions about instructions or your practice? Right there in the corner. Would you please describe the practice of choiceless open awareness? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Is you could say there are two ways to practice mindfulness. One is where we direct our attention to a specific experience. For example, when I was taught in the beginning, I was invited to direct the attention to the belly very specifically and to feel it rise and fall. And then we use the noting, like rising, falling. It's kind of like, a, like to compare to a lens, and it was zoomed in. So it's quite directional. You can also direct the mind very specifically to um, keep coming back to an image of a loved one and keep repeating phrases for them. That's one way where you kind of really have that sense of direction in practice. And quite often that's how it's taught in the beginning. We kind of give the mind something very specifically in a direction to keep coming back to. To connect with the experience and to sustain it. To create that continuity of practice. It's also possible to practice what you could call a more receptive awareness where you kind of not so much focus on one element, for example, the the abdomen and the body, but kind of get a sense of this whole body, for example. It's getting a sense of even the boundaries of it, as best as you can. And then you can feel it move on the rhythm of the breath. was my first step into really starting to become more easeful in mindfulness of breathing because it felt like it was a little more spacious. And then I was also later on invited to notice the quality of awareness itself. So that you kind of, as if you know you're mindful. And I realized that it is boundless. 
And so especially when there's a sense of there's some continuity that's been established in awareness, it can become choiceless in the sense that you just all of a sudden notice something appear in that space of mindfulness that is in the foreground. Or I love to say sometimes it wants to be seen. And within that more spacious, open awareness, phenomena simply appear, thoughts, itches, judgments, and then they disappear. So you're not so much directing the awareness, you're kind of more in a settled back way, receptive to what's arising. That's my best attempt at describing something that is not easy to describe. But does that, is that, does that, make, does that resonate? Thank you. There was someone right there. Yeah. Thanks, Devin. It may be the same question, but... (laughs) (laughs) I guess I want to frame this, and I'm thinking of it in terms of question of uh, effort or will as I'm sitting. Mm -hmm. And... um, I guess two examples. One is what I experience is kind of a dreamlike state, you know, maybe especially a sit at night where I feel like it's in the continuum towards falling asleep. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think it was mentioned last night, maybe like a, a dreamlike state almost. Strange images, you know, maybe come up. And I, I think that. M- m- Historically, when I've started to know this, I've I've exerted some effort to resist that, and whether it's moving a little bit, uh, changing my posture, um, and I think there were some suggestions offered last night, but um, I've tried to experiment a little bit with not doing that and just more gently um, staying with my breath. Um, And it feels less, even though there's effort there, it feels gentler. Mm. Um, And I think I may fall asleep, (laughs) Um, but I I also have had this experience of of not. But it is still in this kind of dreamlike state but kind of powerful. So that, that's one. And then part two observation uh, that, again, for me is connected to this question of kind of effort or will in the sit is th- earlier I heard one, one of the teachers suggest um, maybe putting kind of a blank, um, almost like a blank screen, right? And I, when I do that... Um, it feels almost like in a video game, like a turbo boost, where like like a charge, like a surge of energy mm. that at one level feels good because there's kind of an intensity to it, mm-hmm. but it also feels very effortful. Um, and it breaks kind of the continuity yeah. of practice. Yeah. It, it doesn't feel gentle. Yeah. And they're, they're, so I guess I'm feeling just some tension points there. Yeah, I hear you. Thank you for sharing that question. Actually, our comments and reflections. Just to go back to the first one, sometimes we're very mindful, sometimes we're just a little mindful, and sometimes we're not mindful at all. <laughs> and the dreamlike state, I so relate to it, is where we might have come off from a period of time to be really attentive, and then not so much. But we're still kind of there. And that can be known. Oh, dreamlike state. No need to do anything else. Sometimes it's also really helpful just before you fall asleep to notice the release. They're letting go. There's a story about the Buddha's attendant. It was his cousin, too. His name is Ananda. He's my favorite character in all these uh, stories because he wasn't fully enlightened. So he's kind of like us. 
And when the Buddha passed away, they had gathered a meeting, and everyone could come who was fully enlightened. Pretty high bar for an invitation. And he practiced and practiced, but he was efforting too much. And it's been said that he realized full awakening the moment he put his head on the pillow. So also that moment, that dreamlike state in the evenings that you describe, see if you can pay attention, you never know. right? So just to name that is, is more than enough in this practice, like you did. So that sounds really helpful. The other thing that you mentioned, uh, it can happen sometimes that we really get into the practice and all of a sudden concentration builds up and it could feel like this jolt of energy. I'm not a video game person, so I'm not 100% sure if I get the feeling. My son would be way better at it. And it can actually feel really good, very present, but there's a lot of energy then in the body. And I thought in the beginning also that, oh, this is, this is the juice here. And it kind of is the juice sometimes, that you really feel concentrated. But it can take a lot of effort if we want to kind of maintain it, or maybe even get a little attached to it. So if you're noticing that the mind gets very concentrated and all of a sudden there's this energy arising, you would just let that be another object of mindfulness. Maybe settle back into it. Maybe just even using again that receptive quality of just saying receiving, allowing. Because you're really here on a gentle marathon, not an intense sprint. <laughs> And just to notice when that jolt of energy arises, and just to see if you can be with it. But also notice if you might want to feed into it or go a little more with it. And just, oh, there's maybe a soul craving or clinging to it. That can be known. And coming back. It's like this right now. Yeah, thank you. There's a question right here, Devon. Sorry, you have to walk a lot. <laughs> So this question might relate a little bit to the idea of different levels of energy and um, kind of like effort. So just something that I've been like turning over in my mind because like part of what's interesting in being here is taking step away from everything that we normally do, um, you know, full days, busy days. Um, days when we don't have time to, you know, walk at like 0.5 miles an hour everywhere. (laughs) So, um, I was just wondering, like, you know, it seems helpful to, like, take a very slow pace and, uh, kind of go in slow motion so you can get every, like, detail, like, taking it in. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's interesting, but I just wonder, like, you know, when I go back home, like, how to take some of that with me during times when I can't uh, move slowly, or sometimes I feel like, um, you know, moving slowly could be a result of me being more zoned out versus, like, mm. sometimes when I'm moving fast, I feel more focused and uh, more aware, so... Just wondering if you can talk a little about the relationship of like, mm-hmm. you know, is it possible to be mindful while, you know, there's a lot going on um, while you're running late and you're, you know, running to the bus? Because I, I feel like it is possible to uh, move fast and be very aware. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly where I was going to start, actually. It is possible to move fast and be very aware. It's like, uh, that's the difference when you're moving fast and being aware and in a hurry. Right? That's, that's a very different energy. And even when you're in a hurry, that can become your object of meditation, too. And I, too, thought that, you know, I could be more seeing the details 
when I would slow down, and that to some extent is definitely true, and that's why a retreat is helpful. But if we, again, practice a more open, receptive awareness, where we don't need to be paying attention to every detail, but we know we're, we're present, then we can actually move a little faster. And so what you could play with also today is do a period of walking where you do the 1.5 mile per hour walk and just see, play with it. Because that's my speed in New York as well. This is not a practice of making sure that everything is really, really slow and getting very, very much to the detail because that's not how life is. So I invite you to really be creative and also see, for example, if you would have a movement practice and if you can do that as a meditation. Like, um, I do that with swimming. And I move a lot, but I'm so present. And that's actually bringing me more into presence. So sometimes it's also just so helpful during the day to keep checking for yourself, what is the quality of awareness? And then you know, oh, it's been interrupted a few times. Or you know, no, it's quite ongoing. If it feels interrupted at times, I find it helpful to change my pace in whatever I'm doing, especially in walking and in movement. But even in practice, sitting, sometimes I'm just, I love be kind of sitting in, in open choices, awareness, that's kind of my go-to. But that can also bring me in that dream state that was mentioned earlier. And so sometimes then the little bit of effort is, no, I'll say to myself, Bart, <laughs> let's come back to just really feeling the breath. Maybe 10 times and bringing in a little more effort. So this tool of effort is kind of like, um, uh, it needs to be attuned all the time. The Buddha compared it with the lute like a guitar. Constantly, sometimes the strings need to be a little tighter because the energy is low and then a little looser when there's too much striving. And a great way to keep checking what's needed is to just ask, what's the quality of mindfulness right now? Yeah, that's what I would play with. Yeah, thank you for that question. It's an important one. And dear, as I'm aware of the time, and also looking at my colleagues, do we still think that uh, our idea is a good idea? Okay, full disclosure. I'm aware of a little bit of maybe, what's that word in English? Self-conscious? No. I don't know what it is in English, but um, I, can be know, I can know that content. Yesterday, we were kind of thinking about what would be a nice uh, chant in the evening to, uh, to share with you all. And I thought it was beautiful. But we were also listening to the Beatles. And then Devin shared that, you know, on a retreat he had taught that a two-minute song, almost fully acoustic by Paul McCartney, was played. Just as a kind of an inspiration. And the song is called Great Day. And in it he sings, It won't be long, oh no. It won't be long. It won't be long, oh no. It won't be long. So he's kind of inviting us to kind of see it, to wish for a great day, and to know it won't be long. It arises and it passes. Again, that same invitation to keep calmly, knowing change. So now I should play it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, so, th- so you're not going to play it now? after that? <laughs> So, if, and, if, and notice if your mind is reactive, like, oh, Paul McCartney. <laughs> Resistance can be known. And even the resistance, the aversion, even the full-blown rage arises and passes. So maybe we should end on Paul McCartney, and therefore there's a few announcements. One, um, we have group meetings again. They all meet in the morning. In one group meeting I shared, there would be also time for um, more sign-ups, but logistically that's not possible. But all of you will see one of us either today or tomorrow again. Christine from IMS also asked, 
please do not do walking meditation in the parking lot because over there um, it's one big block of solid ice and uh, you might have already slipped please use the um, the thingies I don't know what they're called ice cleats if you go out it's re it looks like it's a pool of water and then underneath shoop. be very mindful of that please uh, any other announcements? Look at the board to see if, you, if your name is there on one of them. Oh, yeah. And if um, sometimes um, there's notes for specific individuals, just always keep checking if there's a note for you. Okay, I'm going to try this thing now. <laughs> so I'm going to play it with the phone and hold the microphone to it. And then I'll ring the bell afterwards. One more. And just one more suggestion. Just one more suggestion. <laughs> For me, the way in to attuning to change was sounds. It's so easy to kind of, and especially music, it just keeps flowing. And to know what it feels like when the mind is not clinging to that experience, not wanting it to be different and is in full harmony from a moment-to-moment -moment perspective with the changing nature of experience.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.